nein, nein. You need to spend more time here with your family. Where are you going? Be back before dinner. Be careful out there. No boy. Got it covered. Bye. I just want to escape. Dad always wanted me to travel the world. Someday. There's huh? <gasps> a Yeti on my roof. Hey, boy. Or girl. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely a boy. I don't know where you came from. He escaped. I want my Yeti back! Is that your home? No way. You can go your own way. I will make sure you get home. Back to your family. Everest is just a kid. Stop hitting yourself. This is you and your parents. Aw, you have your mother's eyes. <laughs> there are people looking for you. Whoa. You can do magic? Ah. This is amazing! This is impossible! I wish Dad were here to see this. You can go way. Yeah, Ma. Beijing is great. Oh, Peng is, uh... Hmm? Peng's fine. They're gaining on us! Was this your dad's violin? My dad used to play for me every night. Like, he was telling me that no matter how hard the journey gets, never give up. It's beautiful! You did that, E. I did that? When Yi sets her mind on something, nothing is impossible. got blueberries in places where blueberries should never be. Place I belong, Mount Everest. Cause your name's Everest. Take me home, Everest. Um, uh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Dream Jerks Podcast. Dream Jerks make the dream work. This is a show where we talk about every single DreamWorks animated theatrical film in order, no matter what. I am one of your hosts, Kenneth, and singing that intro so beautifully, you heard your other host, Mr. John 
What's up, John? He is, he is I. Yes. Yeah. Hey, man. Hey. How are you? <sighs> Tired. <laughs> I know. Do you want to tell the listeners what we did uh, last night uh, before this recording that we're doing yes. on this day? Well, last night, as of recording, uh, we went to see a little band called My Chemical Romance in Sunrise, Florida, which is about three hours away from where I live. Yeah. How far was it for you to drive? It was about uh, two hours and 30. Okay, nice. Well, yeah, yeah it was about a three hour drive. And uh, a three of course, hour drive. <laughs> a, a three, three hour drive. A three hour drive. <laughs> um, so, and of course, I had requested off the day after the concert because I said, you know what? It's going to be a late night. I don't want to have to wake up early the next morning. And then the schedulers uh, of my workplace said, no, 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 you come in the next morning. So I'm very <laughs> sleepy. <laughs> and I'm uh, off. This is my usual day off anyway so i'm i'm feeling good yeah i not to gloat but yeah i'm just i'm just <laughs> letting people know how i feel <laughs> i I'm got sorry. home around 3 30 went to bed at 4 woke up at 6 30 or 7 to go to work I, I i got up and i said well that was a nice nap <laughs> 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 oh man but today we're talking about something as rare as a My Chemical Romance concert in the yes. year 2022. And that is an abominable snowman. A yes. Yeti. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. We're talking about the movie Abominable. This is, I think, one of the most overlooked and forgotten DreamWorks movies. <laughs> if you thought Captain well, Underpants was overlooked. Yeah. When, <laughs> when I would bring up Captain Underpants in conversation, talking about DreamWorks, people would go, wait, that was a DreamWorks movie? Mm -hmm. And I, I think people think the same thing when uh, we bring up um, maybe Ants or there's like a maybe. few others that, I, that I've brought up. That sure. people go, wow, that's DreamWorks. You know, they think yeah. it's something else like Fox or what have you, you know. But I think I this one, one, this one is more of just like, a, oh, yeah, I don't, I like forgot that movie existed. I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I did not see this when it first came out. Did you? Mm. I did. Okay. I did see it when it first came out. Uh, How does it hold up? What do you mean? Well, compared to when you first saw it. About the same. Okay. Yeah. Just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's get into it, I guess. Today we're today we're so like we're both exhausted. And you listeners, you know why now. So that we've explained to you. If you look at the running time on this episode, and it's the shortest episode you ever saw. It's because we rock and rolled too hard last night. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, yes, this movie is called Abominable. It was released uh, in 2019. It had its premiere at the aforementioned TIFF 
Toronto International Breakfast at TIFF Festival um, <laughs> on September 7th, 2019, and then had its uh, release in the United States on September 27th, 2019. That was, uh, as of the day of this episode's release, that was yesterday. Oh. Isn't that crazy? This movie came out. It is out, crazy. This movie came out uh, three years ago yesterday. If this, if you're listening to this episode, the day it comes out. Wow. Yeah. What a coincidence. I know. We, we didn't even plan that. We assure that. you, it is just a coincidence. <laughs> yes. Uh, this movie is written and directed by Jill Colton, uh, starring the voices of Chloe Bennett, Albert Tsai, uh, Tenzing, Norgay... Tramer or trainer, hmm. Eddie Izzard, Sarah Paulson, and Sai Chin, uh, made with a budget of seventy-five million dollars and making a box office gross of one hundred eighty-eight point seven million dollars, which is pretty low compared to other movies. But the budget, I think, is also a lot lower, so maybe it's okay. Yeah. That can be forgiven. Yeah, yeah. I think this is one that just didn't connect with the marketing. Um, I was aware of it mainly because um, at the Universal theme park here in Orlando, they actually had meet and greets with uh, with Everest as a promotion I remember for this. the movie. Yes. Yes. I did not get a chance to meet Everest. Did you? Oh, I did. Yeah, I got to meet him. Oh, nice. He was very cute. But yeah. it was funny because, like, even though he was standing in front of a billboard advertising for his movie, people would still walk up and be like, "What's he from?" <laughs> it's like that. This movie is coming out right now, and they'd be like, "Oh, okay." Or, um, <laughs> you would also see people because it was during uh, uh, Halloween Horror Nights had a haunted house at the same time about Yetis. And so I also heard some people asking, like, is this because of the Yeti haunted house at Halloween Horror Nights? Yes, uh, this is exactly what they planned all along. Yeah. <laughs> You're so clever. Random, uh, random guest, park guest. Yeah. Wow. They should make you in charge of this place. <laughs> Imagine. Yeah. If they had like friendly versions of the monsters from the houses during the day. That'd actually be well, pretty cool. That would be you're I think you're on to something. <laughs> yeah. I, and then that's something that uh, uh, Universal Japan does that I wish we uh, kind of adopted over here where they have like uh, a friendly like kids centric Halloween party during the day. And then at night it becomes Halloween Horror Nights. Right. Yeah. I do wish that our the parks here had something like that universal at least you know some sort of daytime friendly halloween thing yeah but anyway yeah so this movie abominable uh i watched this movie for this episode two days ago and uh i gotta tell you i could use a refresher of what happens in this movie oh yes uh i can do that for you kenneth okay Uh, With the little thing I like to call the plop synopsis. Synopsis. 
Ah! Whoa. Hello. <laughs> that was crazy. That was crazy. We just <laughs> fell down a hole and landed in some, some dark facility with low lighting. And um, I'm in a very big leather chair uh, with, a, with a timer uh, behind me. Um, ready to let me know if I've made it or not as soon as the chair turns 180 degrees. <laughs> Welcome, listeners. This is the Plop Synopsis, or Plop Synapsis, also known as the Plot Synopsis. Uh, this is the part of our show where um, I will be challenged to uh, give you a little tale of the movie that we have seen and that are currently talking about. And my goal in telling you all the stuff that I wrote down while I was watching this movie is to hopefully tell you this tale of abominable, abominable. There's no D in it. Abominable. (laughs) Um, in hopefully less than a minute and 30 seconds. Why Kenneth? Oh, well, because that way it allots roughly one second for each minute of the film on average. Yes. Exactly. Uh, movies, usually the sweet spot, hour and 30 minutes. So the sweet spot should be minute and 30 seconds. Now, if I happen to uh, regale you in the tale of Abominable uh, in less than a minute and 30 seconds, I will be rewarded, nay, bequeathed <laughs> uh, a heaping dose of warm, steamy, creamy mashed potatoes and gravy from Australian fast food uh, uh uh, friend, Red Rooster, not a sponsor. <laughs> How fast food friend. Fast food friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like to call uh, pizza delivery drivers. Now, yeah. <laughs> if <laughs> if I uh, <laughs> happen to take more than a minute and 30 seconds to tell you about Abominable and everything that happened in that film, well, mostly everything that happened in that film, um, uh Red Rooster, not a sponsor, is going to brick me with a frozen uh, tray of green peas. <laughs> and and we don't want that. No, that would be awful. I can't I think of anything worse. <laughs> um, two trays of frozen green peas. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. You beat me. You did it. Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> I did it. Well, are are you ready for to, for this plop? Are you ready to to present us with this? I'm ready to plop. All right, plop it on us, and I'm gonna count you down. Here we go. Got the timer ready. Lights. Here we go. Camera. Action. Wait, you're starting out with narr- you're not starting out with narration. Who are you, and what have you done with DreamWorks? We see through the eyes of someone or something very hairy that has escaped a high tech facility. The beast hoofs it towards the city and gets hit by a truck and ends up on a roof. Yee's roof. Yee is a young teenager who is making a lot of money doing odd jobs around the city. Why? She wants to go on a trip through China. Uh, dead dad, fulfilling fantasy, the usual. She finds the beast on top of her roof. It's hurt and hungry. Let's feed it and take care of it. Wait, it has powers. Wait, it's a yeti. Uh oh. Rich corporation people. 
found us. It's time to bail. Yi, Ping, Jin, and Everest, the Yeti, escape the city and catch a boat. Mr. Burnish, the explorer and leader of Burnish Industries, wants the Yeti captured, dead or alive. Let's put the young British zoologist in charge of tracking down the Yeti. Everest has powers that make things happen in nature. Blooming blueberries, towering dandelions, make it bloom and rain and whatnot. Yi plays the violin that used to be your dad's, but she only plays it for herself or Everest. Our heroes are tracked down and make a final escape together using rolling hills. Oh no, the violin broke. No worries, Everest fixed it and now has powers too. Yi finds peace with her dad's death. Time to take Everest to Everest. Uh, wait, the British geologist is actually American? And evil? Who would have thought that? Mr. Burnish has a change of heart. Everest has captured Yi, thrown off a bridge, and everything looks over for our heroes. But wait, Yi doesn't give up and plays the devil went down to Georgia, and the bad guys go over a cliff. Everest goes home to his family. Our heroes go home having grown up, and everything is A-OK at the end. Woohoo! <laughs> man, I was worried for a second. I was like, man, you're we're still at the beginning of this movie, and a lot of time has passed, but guess what? What? You came in at a comfortable minute, 19 seconds. Oh, so comfortable. That was cozy. So comfortable. You got wiggle room there. Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) (laughs) Let me wiggle on into this sleeping pile of creamy Mm. mashed potatoes and gravy. Thank you, Red Rooster, (laughs) not the sponsor. Yes, thank you for not sponsoring us, Red Rooster. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) Yes, thank you. Uh, Man. This movie. Uh, Tell me first of it, first of all, I hate the the villain twist of the zoologist being American and evil. I don't like that. We'll go. I on. can't explain why. Maybe I can try if I think about it and talk about it for a little while. But my gut reaction to it is, oh, what? Why? Why is this happening? Okay, like. <laughs> Well, you know, dig a little deeper. Is it um, is it because of does it feel like it's an unnecessary twist or is it something having to deal with it's an American disguised as a British person disguised as being nice? It does feel unnecessary to me. Um, Okay, And I I just couldn't be like British with ulterior motives. They had to be uh, a. Uh, an American disguised as a British person having ulterior <laughs> motives kind of deal. Yeah, it's a little too much. Um, like, I don't understand why she had to secretly be really American. Um, but uh, I think that they don't... Uh, they don't make her... There's no, like, hint at this. You know what I mean? Like you'd you'd think that if if a villain is gonna be or if a character is gonna turn out to be a villain that there would be signs there would be like oh dark clouds of like mm, I don't know something seems a little bit off about this one but they all seem to trust this person so I guess they're okay and then you you get prove it you get proven right of like oh see there's something wrong I saw it coming and in this one it feels like they didn't think that that she was gonna be a villain until then they decided that she was. And it's like, surprise, <laughs> she's really bad. And it's like, um, that doesn't feel like that's what you were planning to do. Uh, yeah. Like there's no there's no breadcrumbs on this trail leading us here. It just happens. Yeah, it does feel a little forced, but I have a theory if you would okay. like to hear it. Yes. So we, you, as, as in you and I, maybe our listeners as well, have grown up used to seeing... 
um, Disney animated f- films like uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, Aladdin. We all oh. knew that Jafar was uh, had evil intentions or had selfish intentions in that film because there's scenes where you're just alone with that character and you see him talking through his plans and everything that he wants uh, out of the story. Um, so when you see that character interacting with our other characters and our protagonists, you know, something's up, right? This film doesn't really offer that, but I, t- I will tell you a film that does this similarly, but probably does it a little bit better. Um, and that is the first frozen film. Okay. Yeah. As no one really knew in the very beginning of the film that Hans was going to turn out to be uh, this person that has evil or selfish uh, motives. Right. Until like three quarters to 80% of the way through the movie. Right. And then it's a, a twist. Like maybe you could get little clues with him always having gloves on because that's like a, that's like a, a symbolism thing of people with, gloves on their hands always have something to hide or um, just and he, the, go ahead oh and he does talk about he kind of drops hints of like what he explains when he does make his villain turn of like you know he would never be able to like ascend to the throne of his own kingdom because he's too far down the line so he had to marry into a different kingdom uh and so like those facts are presented earlier that once you watch it again, knowing that he's a villain, it's like, oh, okay, see, like he's not telling you he's a villain here, but he is kind of ex- like ex- dropping hints that when you know, you're like, oh, see, yeah, there it is. I gotcha. Okay. So um, looking back on Abominable, there's... Um, I forget the doctor's name. Hold on. I'm going to look it up real quick. So that way we can give a little, uh, Dr. Dr. Zara, the zoologist. Okay. There's no real, like, there's nothing like, oh, I'm trying to be, uh, a leading zoologist or, uh, a mention that, uh, she's looking for a higher up position in burnished industries. There's really nothing of that effect. She's just kind of there. Yeah. Not only that, there's no like hint or mention of her being American. It's just, she's always British. Right. Or giving a British accent. And she always has that uh, special little rodent that's on her shoulder. turns out it's just a rat. <laughs> so oh, is it really? the, yeah. You don't remember that? I don't remember that. Okay. So that there's like a little, um, they call it a gerbil in the film. Like a couple of the characters is like, uh, what's your gerbil doing? Or what's so special about the gerbil? And she's explaining, yeah. no, it's a, it's a very special and rare rodent um, that I have a connection with. And, and like, there's a part in the film where she finally reveals, Oh, I'm American. Um, my benefactor wants the Yeti and, and she's not talking about Mr. Burnish. Yeah. Uh, it's some, some other person that never shows their, uh, any hide nor hair of themselves in the story. Oh, true. It's just, Oh, I have this other person that's going to pay me even more money. Yeah. And, uh, Oh, by the way, this little rodent, it's just a rat. It even has a fake tail and she takes a little fake tail off the, the rodent. 
How did I miss that? Yeah, I don't know. Huh. You gotta you gotta go back and watch it again, man. Uh I don't really know if I want to. <laughs> okay. Well, I see um, where this is going. Yeah. I don't, there's nothing wrong with this movie. It's just so forgettable to me. It doesn't. It feels subpar of like the the what you expect from DreamWorks. It feels like a smaller studio made this, and they kind of did because it is a co-production with Pearl Studio, which is a, a Chinese uh, studio, I believe, Chinese animation studio. Um, mm-hmm. And so it kind of was made by a different studio. I don't know what the relationship here was. If it was like when DreamWorks was working with Aardman, where, you know, DreamWorks provides the money probably and the distribution, but then Aardman really makes the movie. I don't know if that's kind of what happened here with Pearl. Um, But man, it really feels out of place with the lineup of DreamWorks animation to me. Um, Okay. It doesn't feel like it has that DreamWorks touch, that DreamWorks vibe. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, let's take a look. It says uh, on the Wikipedia page uh, under production, uh, Abominable was in development at DreamWorks Animation since 2010. Uh, for some time, uh, Jill Colton uh, was writing and directing the film, originally titled Everest, which was about a little girl on a Yeti. But by 2016, she had left the project. She was replaced by Tim Johnson and Tom uh Wilderman. Uh, in December 2016, DreamWorks announced that the film would be released in 2019 and that would be co-produced by Oriental DreamWorks, now Pearl Studio, making their second collaboration after Kung Fu Panda 3. So they have worked together before. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it's um, it, it is interesting that these uh, the film, Kung Fu Panda 3 and Abominable, they're all uh centralized or themed around uh chinese culture things like that so it does it is for a different i guess its focus would be for a a a more different audience but it still has that that global span that really uh, anyone anywhere can can watch and get some enjoyment out of it yeah but yeah i mean they're they're not going around eating hot dogs and saying yeehaw right the 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 movie takes place in china um and Mm -hmm. the uh, the setting feels very like authentic so i'll definitely give it that like the whole movie feels very accurate in the way it portrays like the chinese culture and the food and just like the way that the people are um you know going about their lives uh yeah that all feels really well done um you know what this movie also kind of reminded me of is Coco, like Chinese Coco, really? a little bit, um, where, you know, she plays the violin and in Coco, Miguel plays the guitar. Uh, it's very, you know, steeped in that culture of each respective movie. Um, and in each one, they go on an adventure. Uh looking to learn something about their family uh in a way you know i mean mm-hmm. the, the 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 connections are are pretty surface level but as i was watching it i just kept thinking that like oh yeah this is this feels like like it could be put in the same category as coco in some ways um and oh. in favor in favorable ways i'm not even saying like this is like a coco that was done poorly like i think that it does a lot of things really well 
Um, I think that just some of the characterizations of the of the cast uh, leave something to be desired for me. Um, I didn't I didn't find a lot to connect to in this movie as far as the characters go. Uh, felt a little a little paint by numbers to me like okay now this happens because it's supposed to you know or like these characters are going to go through this moment because that's what that's what happens in movies a lot of the music choices also really kind of made like made me roll my eyes like Coldplay fix you moment and like (laughs) uh there's another song that plays a little bit after that i don't remember what it's called or like who it was by or what the scene was i just remember thinking like man they really are trying hard with these song choices to make me feel some sort of emotional uh reaction and uh it's not landing for me at all (laughs) was it higher by creed maybe i have (laughs) i wish it was (laughs) i thought you were gonna say this movie reminds you of smallfoot well i mean that too that this is one of those movies uh this is one of those things kind of like ants in a bug's life where there were, I think actually like three movies that came out around the same time that involved yetis or abominable snowman or Sasquatch or something like that. Um, Cause there was this, there was Smallfoot, and there was missing link, which is from Leica studios, mm. uh, which is also kind of a universal movie. Because Leica movies are released by Focus Features, which is like Universal's like art house imprint, kind of like how Disney has Touchstone. Uh, Focus Features is Universal's version of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are always Leica. So uh, Universal had two animated Yeti movies <laughs> that came out around yeah. the same time. Missing Link and Abominable. Yeah. Did you see Missing Link? I did. I I think I liked it. All of these movies run together in my mind. So like as I was getting ready to watch this, I kept trying to think like remember what this movie was, and I couldn't tell if what I was remembering was this movie or one of the other Yeti movies. Mm. Um, but it Ooh. was this. I was like, I feel like this movie has a magic violin in it, or she has some sort of like violin powers. But like, why would that be a thing? Why would that be in this movie? And then it was. So I was like, okay, this is okay. I, I do kind of remember this. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Well, that's all. That's all very, I guess, uh, understandable. Uh, for for me personally, I. I didn't see the film when it came out. I only saw it until just recently for this episode. Um, I thought it was fine. Um, <laughs> and and I kind of agree with you. There's nothing that, that you can really like. For us, let, let's clarify for us. There's nothing that we can really kind of take, take from this film and kind of connect with as far as like having some memorable moments or anything like that don't get me wrong very fine film very yeah you know with great characters uh, uh the character of everest is very adorable very fun um and the kids are fine in the film and everything like that there's some really funny moments in there uh where Jin is like uh escaping uh the the burnished corporation and he's having to 
run through the the woods trying to get out and he's just has his phone oh, yeah. up with the with the light on and he's just screaming <laughs> yeah 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 there's definitely some fun stuff like that i i like the movie in general but i just found very little to want to go back to and revisit but yeah. it was good anyway yeah. go on still good um but yeah, I, I think that that's what it ultimately comes down to is you, you can try to have those moments where you're where you're trying to feel some sort of, uh, I guess, emotional attachment or connection with the film and things like that. Um, but it's got to hit. And for this, I think they had good intentions on on making those emotional moments hit for the film for for people to try to take something with them. And you know what? I mean, there's even moments where I'm thinking about this film and go, you know what? It didn't do any minion stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's something that's something that people take away from films that can come off as annoying. Yeah. When when you say minion stuff, do you mean like there wasn't like a little army of sidekick characters that we're supposed to go and buy toys of? This film is the greatest film because uh. <laughs> <laughs> there were i did feel like there were some moments of like oh this is here i didn't think like this is minion stuff but like the yeah. whooping snakes i was like oh what? i forgot about the whooping snake okay yeah yeah okay i did the like whooping, the whooping snake though i liked them but i yeah. was like i was like this is a really like fun and and weird thing that that it feels like it's from a different movie than this one. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but it's not it's not anything that like I don't feel like they were trying to catch on have people catch on with. Right. Although the I, whooping snakes do lead to w- one of my least favorite moments in any movie I've ever seen <laughs> um, which is uh at one point so there's like three henchmen who work for the Eddie Izzard character, the the old man who's I, trying to get the Eddie. Go on. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, what What is that character's name? I want to see what, what Eddie Izzard's character was called. Uh, um, Burnish. Burnish. Okay, Burnish. Mr. Burnish. Yes. So three of Burnish's like employees are looking for the whooping snakes. Uh, and so one of them goes, whoop. whoop. There it is. Whoop. There it is. And then a third one, whoop. And then the guy goes, there it is. And then yeah. the other two go, really, Dave? Yeah. And I wanted to throw my TV away. <laughs> <laughs> I was so upset. <laughs> yeah. I think that I would have been fine with it. But then they said, really, Dave? And that's when I yeah. said, I don't like this at all. <laughs> yeah. If, if they If they just didn't acknowledge it. Yeah, but exactly. They they made the same remark that you would have made had <laughs> in the room had they not made it. So there was no point for them to be uh, have that self realization of we're going to make a, a reference about a, a song that was a hit back in nineteen ninety what two or three, yeah, almost maybe. Uh, sure. <laughs> thirty years ago. Yeah, uh, and we're gonna make that like a, a little side joke. You, uh, yeah, you, you know what? Now that you mention it, um, with how old the song is, it almost feels like all right. This jokes for the parents, 
but it's being delivered like a joke that could only be enjoyed by the youngest of children. <laughs> uh, exactly. Maybe that's what it was. I was just like, this sucks. <laughs> Some people missed uh, spending quality time with their family animating that scene, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I just want to let you know that. Yes. Oh, man. Um, There's also these those turtles that they encounter, and they make funny noises. Like they emote okay. with little voices. Yeah, the turtles. I remember that. There's a lot, there's like some good animal stuff. I'm like, that's not, none of it is bad. Um, I like all of those animals. The animals were maybe my favorite thing. I didn't really care for any of the people in this movie. And I want to talk about how at the beginning of the movie, when Yi, when we meet Yi and we see her with her family and she's very distant from them and she's off working odd jobs and trying to raise money and trying to go on this trip but she's not explaining any of that to her mom or her grandma. And I just immediately watching it this time, especially I just felt like, what is her problem? You know? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know that there like, there must've been a better way for them to communicate that she was going through this thing. But like, instead they chose to have her like, shun her family who is very clearly just trying to reach out and connect with her and she like won't have it and so now i'm kind of like well what's like i'm not really with her on this you know (laughs) okay i could understand that so i have a feeling that if pixar were doing this film they would have kind of tried a a, to make a, a different attempt or different uh effort with that yeah you you probably would have had a more um, m- maybe like an up experience before the movie starts uh, with uh, Everest escaping the facility of Burnish yeah. Industries. There probably would have been that moment of you um, seeing uh, Yi spending time with her father as a child and then mm-hmm. getting to the point where he passes and then you see her kind of start to become a little bit distant from her family. Yeah kind of deal and yeah. then maybe there's a scene where there's like a big blow up or blow off where she's says some choice words that are the kind of words that when you when you say them to someone that the, you can't really take it back kind of deal yeah kind of like changes the relationship of those uh, yeah. characters i do think we needed to see a falling out between her and and her mom um, cause like, again, to bring back Coco and Coco, Miguel, like he has his family and his family is very loving and like, you know, they are a good family, but they reject music and he loves music. And so like, he has to, he has this inherent like conflict with them that we understand both sides of, but he is so passionate about music that he has to go against his family's wishes and then, you know, learn this lesson in the process. And in this movie, like, Yi plays the violin in secret. Yes. And her parents are, her mom is supportive of it. She's like, Yi, why don't you play the violin for us? And she's like, no, I don't want to. And it's like, but you do, well, she, but you, you're keeping it a secret for some reason. Well, she, and like, she tells her mom that she sold the violin. Right. Yes. And so, like, she's lying to her mom. She's trying to go on this trip and raise money. And like, if the mom knew that she wanted to go on this trip, the mom would probably have been like, oh yeah, 
that sounds like a great idea. I'll help you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it just like all of all of her choices at the beginning of this movie just feel so like unnecessarily combative against her mom who feels very like wanting to help. <laughs> um, yes. And so like I had I had issue with even getting on board with like this character in the first place just because of all these kinds of things. And then like, you know, once you're on the adventure, you kind of like get a little bit more into her headspace and you're like, okay, I understand what she's going through, but I still, you know, think that there was a better way to introduce the dynamic with her and her family. Cause I was really put off by it (laughs) at the beginning. True. And you don't really get uh, any sense of her mom figuring everything out. She never she never figures anything out because no. <laughs> when, whenever they first leave, Jen is on his cell phone saying, oh, yeah, I'm visiting a university and, and Yi and Ping are with me, too. So, they're ch- they, you know, they're just visiting and everything like that. We'll be back uh, before the holiday is over. Like she is. Uh, absent from yeah, this the mom- entire experience <laughs> that this child is having. <laughs> right. The movie sets up this, and well, the internal conflict of Yi and like, you know, mourning the death of her dad. But then there is a very real conflict between Yi and her mom and her grandma. And the mom and the grandma are not at all involved in the resolution of this because it was entirely internal just for Yi. And she just had to like figure out her own stuff. And the mom just had to be like, what's wrong with her? And I'm sitting there like, yeah, for real. Like what's up? Yeah. And then she comes back to your mom, girl. Like, yeah. And she comes (laughs) back from the trip and her mom's like, Oh, well my, daughter's okay now yeah she, she likes me now she's talking yeah. to me now i'm not gonna question anything that happened she's just yeah. fine now yeah what is that <laughs> <laughs> and listen listeners you know when we've watched a good movie and when we've had and when we watch a movie that's a little problematic is because we spend so much time talking about it here it is. <laughs> yeah, we have we have a little we have some issues with this film that we're kind of like picking apart and going, well, I don't know about that. Yeah, as opposed to oh, I don't know the what was the last episode? Uh, How to Train uh, Your Dragon: The Hidden World. Yeah, great movie. Great. This this and- movie needs some needs a little bit. In yeah, order I think- to, to get good. It needed a little bit more, like more work. They they should have like gone to a a workshop at Pixar to be like, how do you establish your emotional stakes in a way that's relatable and and that we can support the characters? And it, it goes back to that thing. I know I've mentioned it in the past. It's been a long time of that thing of how to set up your story the Pixar way, where yeah you actually support the your main main character making wrong choices because you see how unfairly the thing they love was taken away from them yes and this movie doesn't give us any of that it just presents us with a person after the thing has happened to them and now they're just making bad choices and we don't understand why and so it's just like i don't 
I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it it's listen, Kenneth, it was either we were gonna have that scene with Yi and her mom and having a converse uh, a genuine conversation about the passing of her dad and how it's affected her and and her trying to find closure of that, mm-hmm. coming to peace with that. Or it was the whooping snakes. We had to make a choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing I have, another thing I have written here is about. Well, okay. This movie plays real fast and loose with what a yeti's powers are. Um, well, first of all, I don't know that any yeti lore even says that they have magic powers i always assumed that they were just big beasts that live in a mountain like i didn't know like bigfoot they just they're just there they're big and they walk around and they they survive like any other animal you know right and this movie says they have magic powers that do whatever we feel like they should do in the moment so that the movie can happen Okay, uh, so I mostly agree with you. The um, the the cryptids and the cryptid community. I don't know a lot of cryptids that have supernatural powers, um, other than maybe like I don't know. I don't even know if Mothman has uh, superpowers or anything like that. Um. But it's kind of like that thing that Hollywood has done with some of the older classic universal or fantasy monsters. Like there's been that whole thing with Dracula and vampire movies. And it wasn't until later on that they're like, whenever there's a movie involving vampires, Hollywood went, uh, I'm going to put this part in the script where one of these characters is saying, you know, all those rules about vampires, you know, stake in the heart. Uh, they burn into crisp uh, during daylight, everything like that. And the other character goes, yeah. And the character goes, yeah, that's all make believe. Let me tell you how vampires really are. And then they write their own set of rules. You know right. what I mean? So yeah. it feels that that's kind of how that this film has kind of approached uh, the abominable snowman is just like, we don't know. It's just like a fantasy thing. So we can kind of make up our own rules with it. So let's just, you know, give it nature powers or, yeah. you know, have it glow and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> we can kind of fly off the cuff. We can do whatever we want. This is uh, not a real story. <laughs> yeah. And they, they introduce it. Um, and I wrote <laughs> in my notes, what I actually wrote is uh, he does an E.T. when he sings because (laughs) she has some like dying flower in a pot that she brings to him for some reason. And then when he's humming, the flower comes back to life uh, much like another wonderful creature that befriends a mourning child that uh, we're all very familiar with, I think. Um, But uh so then uh, there I was like, okay, cool. He can, he can like revive plant life. That's cool. Like if he can do that, that's awesome. And then for a while, his powers are pretty consistent with that. He can like make blueberries grow giant and he can make dandelions grow giant. And I'm like, okay, he can like, he has the ability to like influence how 
plant life grows. Uh, yes. Okay. But then he also has the ability to make the ground move like waves. And he, he, he does things that would like, all like fundamentally alter the like infrastructure of the planet and irreversible ways he turns this like chinese countryside into a giant tidal wave that crashes on itself and must have killed like hundreds of people (laughs) (laughs) um okay well there's there's two things i want to say about that one do we even know if he's manipulating the ground itself or is he just kind of manipulating all the flowers that are in that field and having them grow at an exponential rate hmm. to where the the growth of those plants creates those waves or is are we moving the ground at that point uh the other gosh the, what was the other thing that i just had the on the tip of my tongue because well, there was also, he gave the Yeti hairs, but he also fixed the violin. Well, the violin's made of wood, so he must have, like, yeah, you know. I assumed mm-hmm, that he, mm-hmm, like, and just hummed and, like, put the violin together, grow, <laughs> grew it back together, <laughs> growed it back together. Yeah. Explain to uh, me this, though, Kenneth. Okay. If the whole purpose of this uh, fictional beast is to, like, be in tune with nature uh where did the clouds come from (laughs) oh yeah when do you mean when they ride clouds like giant fish in the sky yeah that's the scene that that the the music top of mount everest yeah that's the scene where the music i was like ugh, you i don't like this (laughs) song choice um uh yeah that's and that's where i'm saying it feels like they just his powers do whatever the filmmakers are like. And now the characters need to do this. So his powers can do that. <laughs> I'm, I can I'm, see that too. Where they, where they like get to the end <laughs> of that whole conflict with the antagonists of the film. And they're like, okay, but we still need to get the Yeti up to the top of Mount Everest. Right. How do we convince the audience that these three uh, young children and this abominable snowman can make it all the way up to Mount Everest. <laughs> and, yeah. we, and we've already seen Everest, the Yeti, uh, being able to like roam around and parkour throughout the city. <laughs> but this is the end of our film, Kenneth. We have to do something amazing and magical. What if they rode fish clouds? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I rewatched this clip of them surfing on the flowers. Yeah. And uh, when it becomes a giant tidal wave, that part looks like it might just be flowers, not the actual ground itself. But okay. there are parts before the waves get that big where it definitely looks like the hills themselves are are ebbing and flowing like waves. Um, like the... Uh, all right, I'm looking at it again. Like, oh, there was another thing that I was going to mention. 
okay. with, with this Yeti's powers and everything. Maybe, Kenneth, maybe this is the explanation of how Mount Everest got to be one of the tallest peaks on planet Earth. Oh. All the Yetis continually make Mount Everest grow every year. <laughs> And that's and that's how it became the largest <laughs> mountain in the world. Yeah, because these yetis are like, we need solace and solitude. We need these humans keep on uh, trying to climb up this mountain. We got to make this mountain bigger. Yeah, so we can just <laughs> live up here. Yeah, I mean, possibly. Yeah, it, anything really could be. I could believe anything about the world this movie lives in because it, the rules are so uh, malleable that we we could make anything true this is, yeah you're not wrong <laughs> uh yeah so i i you know a lot of these problems wouldn't be problems if the whole rest of the movie were like amazing yeah like his powers being inconsistent and convenient um but with everything else, all the other little nitpicks that we have, I'm just like, these are all adding up to make this like admittedly like enjoyable movie. It is. And I liked it. I had a good time, but I just like all of these little things are adding up to where I just have too many complaints. Yeah. Also. And and, and they're not like large complaints or anything like that. It's no. not like, Name a movie that you didn't really care for and one of its biggest flaws. If you oh. can think of one off the oh. top of your head at, um, at, at, at this moment. Like, what's a movie that you genuinely was like, oh, I did not. Well, let's think of a Shark Tale. Why did huh. you not like Shark Tale? Because it tried too hard or, you know. <laughs> it tried too hard. <laughs> I don't know. That's tough. That's tough. Yeah. I mean, I, a, a recent movie that I saw in the theater, at least, that I didn't enjoy was uh, Jurassic World Dominion. And I just... Okay. I felt yeah. that that movie uh, missed the mark of what Jurassic Park is and was. And yeah. uh, this Jurassic World trilogy just felt v- mostly disconnected from what the Jurassic Park original movie was. Yeah. Um, and it also didn't really deliver on the promise made by the end of Jurassic world fallen kingdom about like, Oh man, now there's dinosaurs out in the world. What's going to happen. And then the next movie like, isn't really about that. <laughs> um, yeah. It's and just so, kind of like, like <laughs> something else entirely different. Like we've all oh, yeah. we harnessed the dinosaurs. What do you mean you harness them? Yeah. We had why we have wild dinosaurs environment in our environment. Now, how do we yeah. deal with that? No, look there's, at these big locusts. Yeah. Yeah. The movie is, <laughs> Uh-oh, the dinosaurs got let out at the end of the last movie. You know what that means? Giant locusts are going to cause a hunger <laughs> crisis in the world. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why? This is feels like a, just a completely different movie. They um, wouldn't have had that <laughs> hunger crisis if they had Everest there to help the vegetation <laughs> grow. Yes. So that way people don't go hungry because of all yeah. these large locusts now roaming around. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, this movie, at least like I, the parts I liked, uh, aside from all of the fundamental problems I had, I enjoyed my time watching it. 
Yes. Uh, and that's what this is something that we need to make clear to our listeners out there. We like this film. We don't hate it. No. We just have a few moments where we're going, hang on a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen 30 some odd DreamWorks films now. This is I our 37th <laughs> go at this. And yeah. uh, I, I know what I like now. <laughs> I, I know what I'm about. Yeah. Uh, and I've also seen enough uh, DreamWorks animated films to go, this, uh, there's something fishy going on with this story here. And I'm yeah, not just something talking about cloud the clouds. Fishy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think I have one last observation about this movie. And that is that Everest picks up on abstract concepts way too quickly. Um, when like prime example I have is when Yi is trying, like realizes that he's a kid, you know, Mm -hmm. she's like, Oh, he's, he's just a kid. That's why he gets along so well with, with what's his name? Uh, T Ting, uh, Ping, Peng, Peng. Yes. Um, that's why he gets along so well with Peng because he is uh, also a kid. And then she like puts down three rocks (laughs) And says, this is you, and these are your parents. And then he looks at them for a half a second and picks them up and hugs them. And as as someone who understood the language she was talking about, I don't know that I would have reacted that way. And like, he is an animal. I don't think we ever established that he understands what they're saying. Um, right. They they communicate non-verbally like you do with a dog uh, yes. or with like with any pet that you might have. And he just understands Im- immediately everything that they're trying to communicate to him in the most no matter how abstract or like vague <laughs> the, their means of communication are. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing, Kenneth. That's what the filmmakers didn't really <laughs> fully explain to people is that not only can this yeti manipulate nature mm-hmm. in such a way <laughs> to advance the plot of this film it is without a doubt the world's best player at charades yeah yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, I just picked, saw the three rocks <laughs> and just picked them up like, oh, I love these rocks. Yeah. He's like, I understand it, exactly what you're trying to tell me with defense, these three rocks. <laughs> in defense of the Yeti, we don't know what it's thinking. Maybe it just likes rocks. Yeah. Like, oh, yes. Rocks. <laughs> Little mountains. My favorite. From the mountains. <laughs> this reminds me of home. Wait yeah. a minute. Home. My this family. Young child wants to take me home. <laughs> she she's like, this is you and this is your parents. And in his head, he goes through like in the Rescue Rangers movie when uh Dale um goes like <laughs> yeah. super doing convoluted. all the detective work. Yeah, yeah. he like like watches the episode and like gets to the conclude the right conclusion in the completely wrong way. That's yes. what happened with Everest. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, also, I I assumed I I didn't even think about like how did Everest fix the violin. 
I assumed the violin was magic just because he like used his own hairs as the strings. Yeah. And so when she plays them, like anyone would play the violin and it would be magic because it has magic Yeti hair as yes. the violin strings, right? Right. But okay. again, we don't know if it's because of these Yeti hairs that the violin came back together. Uh, I mean, there's no scene where we see the violin all of a sudden see the process of the violin getting fixed yeah it's just one scene it's broken we leave the scene where where it's been broken we come back into it and oh it has been fixed oh and we have new strings and they're all yeti hairs and now this violin has powers and now uh, the player of this violin can make it rain flower rain um or and or cold play or cold play or Make like trees grow or doesn't doesn't ye like shoot Aurora Borealis at people with it? <laughs> well, yeah, she does. <laughs> That's the scene no, that I was mother, talking it's about. Just the Northern Lights. Seymour, <laughs> <laughs> my house is on fire. <laughs> Aurora Borealis. <laughs> <laughs> Aurora Borealis at if this you, time of day <laughs> in this cool. time of year and this part of the country localized entirely in your kitchen yes yes <laughs> if, if you don't know May what I we're talking it? about <laughs> no no <laughs> Simpsons guys the Simpsons steam tams go on YouTube watch that and enjoy do, do yourself a favor waste five minutes Yes, so the best five minutes on YouTube. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, she. That, that's what I explained in the uh, plop synopsis. <laughs> that's right. Uh, synopsis uh, was uh, Yi plays the devil wind down to Georgia, and <laughs> she <laughs> creates a sonic blast of Aurora yes. Borealis that uh, uh, stops the uh, antagonists dead in their tracks. Uh, and... Uh, they go off a cliff after trying to run uh, Everest into the the side of the mountain. Yeah, they try to pin him to the side of the uh, the, the mountain uh, so that they can, I guess, kill him, kill it, and capture yeah. it. And they uh, create an avalanche, and they end up going out over the side of the cliff, and they died. You know what I think? Realizing now, my problem with the villains in this movie is, yes. is you know. Uh, Eddie Izzard. I'm never gonna remember his name. Burnish. Burnish, Burnish had a personal history with the Yetis, and so he was trying to catch one so that he could prove to the world that they're real, because yes. he saw one, and then he went and told everyone, and they didn't believe him. And yes, so, like and there, and that's mentioned in the film, where he's yes. like, "I won't be made a fool again." Yeah. And so, like, there, I'm like, okay, I understand where he's coming from. Um, and I also do, like, appreciate the fact that he can come around and, like, learn that these creatures are really wonderful and they're not violent. They were just being protective uh, of their family. And he understands and he says, you know what? No, we shouldn't capture them. We should let them go and, like... They need to stay hidden. And like, I appreciate that there's, there's a villain in this movie 
that started as a villain and then he comes around and he learns and he becomes a better person. Like that's yes, cool. He has, he has an arc in the He story. does. Dr. Zara, the pretend British evil American, uh, has purely monetary motives that feel so empty. <laughs> yeah. Like she just wants to get paid and it just feels so corporate and and sterile and cold. Yes. Uh, and and not cold in like a, oh man, she's cold. It's just like it, it's so impersonal for her, yeah. you know? Like she yeah. has no she has no emotional stake in this. She just wants to capture it so that she can get money. Right. It's nothing personal. It's just business, Kenneth. It's purely business. Yes. Uh, and that is not compelling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, kids, we're going to take a look at these flow charts uh, and these pie graphs over here. Yeah. Um, now, as you can see, our, our profits this year have been waning yeah. <laughs> uh, due to uh, several uh, different circumstances beyond our control. And then to bring it back around to Chippendale Rescue Rangers even, because I was about to say it's not fun when the villain's motive is just money. But then I remembered in Chippendale when the uh, spoilers, if you haven't seen Chippendale Rescue Rangers, we're going to be talking about it for a little bit here, I think. But when the police chief is revealed to be the villain and they ask him why, and he's just like, I did it for the money, just for the money. <laughs> but yeah. at least, at least like we believed he was a good guy before. So the twist is still like powerful, even though his motive is like really, really shallow, you know? Yeah. Like it's still impactful because it's like, oh man, the police chief, we thought he was on our side. Um, <laughs> yeah. And in this one, it's like, Oh, the lady that we thought was nice is mean and she likes money, but like nobody really knew anything about her before and we still don't really know anything about her after. Either. Yeah. Would it have changed at all the circumstances if we knew why she wanted the money? If there was a reason for her oh. to have money other than to just have money? maybe but also you don't want to make it too good of a reason she's like my mother is in the hospital and she needs the a surgery so i need to capture this yeti because it's kind of like at that point it might be like maybe she should have the yeti then <laughs> yeah yeah no 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 yeah i understand what you're saying but what if it's more uh why do you want to capture this um yeti for the center benefactor because they're going to give me more money why do you want more money? I want more money so I can buy more stock and in burnish industries because oh. whoever owns the most stock and in burnish industries becomes the sole proprietor, CEO of burnish industries and owns it. I mean, that could have been one option. She also could have had some sort of, you know, also could have had a personal encounter with Yetis and uh, they could have taken her money. Yeah. <laughs> that Yeti <laughs> stole my wallet. <laughs> and I wanted it back in interest. Yes. <laughs> You're going to pay me back with your life. No, Kenneth. <laughs> I am I am more emotionally invested in this movie now. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, this movie was pretty good. 
yeah. <laughs> yeah ultimately guys uh i i don't see this dipping below uh the 20s in my list it's still oh, a really? good movie okay yeah okay it's still a good movie nice uh when i'm looking at my list of all the movies that we've seen so far in the dreamworks library again it's not it's not in the top 10 but i i don't think it's no. anywhere in the 20s or anything like that okay. or maybe it is now that i've talked about it with you in length <laughs> um i might have to change where i put it because i placed it before talking i was just looking Same. down the list and I'm, being I'm like, doing that as we speak right now yeah after we've talked about it what would i rather watch megamind <laughs> uh yeah, yeah i probably will move yeah. it yeah i'm moving it hmm. officially moving it again it's not like it's not a bad thing that it gets moved again our list's Eighty to ninety percent of the films that are on our lists are lists or movies that we either really enjoyed or really liked, or liked. <laughs> yeah. It's all likable. There's yeah. just a few like your your bottom five is going to be more going to hold more weight in terms of like oh, I did not like this movie at all. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. Um. Well, I'm. I'm out of things on my notes. Are you, how about you? Yeah. You I mean, got anything I'm all, else? I'm all caught up. What would I well, rather then, watch? B movie or this? I have it. I answer that easily. <laughs> what would you say? B, B movie? movie? Oh, yeah. not, not because it's like any good, but it's just so off the walls that you're like, this yeah. is great. It's, it's yeah. It's wonderfully strange. Um, yes. Uh, and it's the, the things that are strange about it are on purpose, which is, yeah. it goes a long way. Um, Hey, for now we have to ask a question about this movie. It's a two part question, an academic question, an important question, a question that we all should ask about any media that we watch anytime we're thinking critically about anything that we've seen, possibly enjoyed. And that's the baby got back. It'll test. This is a part of the show where we uh, we 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 think about this film that we've just watched, Abominable, and we ask ourselves uh, two questions about it. And uh, they're yes or no questions. The two questions, if they are both answered with a yes, or if they are both answered with a no, then they pass the test. But if the two answers do not match, then the film fails the test. So the first question is, does this film have the song Baby Got Back in it? And the answer to that question today is no. Yes. But part two, should this film have the song Baby Got Back in it? It does have a reference to whoop. There it is. So there isn't. It's it's not. It wouldn't be too far-fetched. No, yeah, like, we've already kind of opened that up for possibility in this movie. So how is there a way that that Baby Got Back could have been included in a way that would have been beneficial to the film? (laughs) Hmm. That That is the question, isn't it, sir? Yeah. Quite, quite. Let me smoke on my pipe for a minute while I ponder mm. this. Hmm. Now, hmm. Mr. Burnish hmm. does have many creatures in his uh, collection. 
Yes. And w- one of those could have had a, a b- got back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A, a creature with a, a large, uh, corpulent uh, posterior. Yes. yes. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> uh, hmm. I don't say with the, it's without reason. But is it something that would have made the movie, would, would have added to the movie? Yeah. You know what it could have happened is uh, in the beginning of the movie, before they even find Everest, uh, when she's walking around the city and we're getting to meet um, Jin and Pang, uh, it could have just been included somehow in one of those moments like instead of the song saying big butts what about big bucks because she's trying to make oh money yeah well there's an option that's pretty good can we do that can we can we yeah does it count the song big butts and still have it count because we're Uh, just saying yeah, didn't we? I, didn't we do something like that with the Kung Fu Panda, where he liked big buns for bow buns? Yes, I, I want to say we did. That sounds um, familiar. It does, um, but I don't think we put it in there. I can't remember no. if we did or not. We'd have to go back and watch or listen to the episode. But um, yeah. it's usually I'm not do that. Th- no, and this <laughs> is usually all based on the fact that. Shark Tale had the song Big Butts playing mm-hmm. on a record underneath the ocean. Yes. And we said that a record that on the other there. side, on the other side of that vinyl record was oh, like yes. had Godfather score. Or, or, yeah, or, yeah, Godfather Italian music. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank Which, you for reminding me. I went to Park Ave CDs the other day and I did not find a record that had opera on one side and sir mix a lot on the other not to say it doesn't exist i'm just saying i haven't seen it dreamworks <laughs> i'm challenging you record store day is coming up oh i my need God. the record, the shark record. <laughs> of the shark tale record that has opera on one side and big butts by sir baby got back by sir mix a lot on the other side the way that <laughs> That what we said, I like we wanted a chug sign, and now I have a chug sign. I'm looking at it right now, hanging above my my computer. Yeah, we need this record. Yes, pressed it on exists. vinyl. We know it, it exists. exists. It exists, and it's it's sank with the Titanic. Yeah, <laughs> James Cameron, we need your help. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Brock Lovett, I think, is the. I don't know if that's the name of the character in Titanic, the the treasure hunter guy, but on oh, comedy played ba- by uh, Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton, yeah, he was that one guy in Titanic, the guy who hunted treasure. That's shit. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he uh on comedy Bang Bang, Paul F. Tompkins plays uh a character who is that guy. But not the character from the movie. He's the real person on whom the movie character was based. Okay. Uh, So he's Brock Lovett. He's a treasure hunter. He loves hunting for treasure, but it has to be wet treasure. He's not interested in dry treasure. So only if it's... (laughs) (laughs) I gotcha. Yeah. (laughs) What if it's been rained on? 
Uh, it would probably that still be, count. It would probably count. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Brock Lovett. What if he, Brock what if Lovett he goes, would be looking? What if for he goes this traveling well? around with a bucket of water? Oh, interesting. I don't know. See, I don't. I don't remember if they've talked about that on any of his episodes. Um, it might be Send worth him a tweet. Uh, might be worth asking. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Dear Paul F. Tompkins, would yeah. Brock Lovett travel the globe with a bucket of water to so turn a dry treasure into, into wet, wet treasure, treasure <laughs> so that then he can hunt it? Yeah. <laughs> Send it. Um, I don't think there's a moment in this movie that would be improved by the song Baby Got Back. No. So let's just skip it. Does she okay. play Baby Got Back? Uh, my father used to play me a song. <laughs> <laughs> what would that song do to nature if she played it on her magic violin? You saw would those blueberries, the... right? There was even yeah. the, there... <laughs> there was even that scene after the blueberries scene where uh, Jin was like, I have blueberries in places they shouldn't be. And he walks away and he's got uh, two big blueberries sticking out of the back of his pants. <gasps> That was the moment. That's it. Oh. <laughs> you know what could have happened there? So we Go see on. that. And then like the blueberries could have like more blueberries could have fallen from somewhere. And as they bounce off the ground, they could have made the sounds of like boom, 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 boom. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Hey, That's it. We found it. Okay. This movie fails. Fails. Because it should be there, and it's not. Yeah. Done. All right. We did it. Yeah. Dang. That was <laughs> satisfying. We fixed this movie. We did. We helped make it better. Now it's watchable. <laughs> Forget all that emotional stuff. Baby, yeah. you just made millions. I would be okay with, with Yi seemingly hating her mom for no reason at the beginning of the movie if yeah. they had Baby Got Back in that blueberry butt scene. Yeah. <laughs> Solves everything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, is there a theme park attraction that we would like to see for this? To me, the thing that, that comes to mind immediately is the flower surfing. That's, I mean, that's like a great visual and a very mm -hmm. like, you know, kinetic moment in this movie that feels like that would be what you would want to experience. I kind of agree with you there. Um, so flower sur flower raft ride or flower surfing in, in that aspect how, how how do you see that ride coming about kenneth mm. see that's tough okay because i have another idea for a separate ride okay okay um but we can talk about that after we get this flower thing figured out sure i mean if it could be it's hard because most water rides don't move that fast. So I'm thinking something like. Because most like like they're, they're riding kind of like a flume ride, right? They're riding something that you, you would want the vehicle to be something like Splash Mountain or Dudley do Ride Strip South Falls, something like that. Like you're in a little canoe and the, mm -hmm. you're, you're going down these water things um, with flowers all around. But those rides that we mentioned move very slowly except for the parts when they're going down the drops yes. so we would have it would maybe be something kind of like uh i don't know this is tough how do you get 
a vehicle like that to be moving quickly along along level waterways uh or like or like like gradual declines not not a steep uh like waterfall drop like we have on splash mountain you know so the only thing that i can think of in that aspect kenneth is do you remember the uh ride journey to atlantis from uh sea world orlando yes of course i remember where it's kind of like a water flume ride but there's a, a point in the ride where it turns into a roller coaster yeah 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 i haven't ridden it in a very very long time but i do remember this okay so what if we had a ride uh a ride built similar to that um but in the log flume parts maybe there's a lot of floating uh fake plants like plastic plants kind of deal and in the coaster section of that maybe you're covering either side of the track as it's like bending back and forth left and right with, um, I wouldn't say tarps, but like some sort of fabric that's going to have hundreds and thousands of those little flowers on either side planted into that fabric to make it look like the vehicle is traveling through waves of these uh, plants. Yeah, flowers. Hmm. Would you want to do something like that, or or do you want to try to? That could be really cool. It might be the only the best solution we have. Um, like a like a a, a splashdown roller coaster, basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, it, and if we're doing that, what's the story of the ride going to be about? Uh, I think, I I think we don't have to overcomplicate it. We're just going to say, you know, Everest, he has the, uh, the power to make plant life grow in ways that is like really fantastical. And, uh, you know, Yi and Jin and Pang got to ride a giant flower wave and man, it was so fun. We think that you should have a similar experience. So we, you know, uh, Everest has agreed to, to take you on a ride. The end. <laughs> okay. I think too um, many rides overcomplicate the story. You know, I think, yeah. I, I think there aren't enough rides where it's just like, Hey, wouldn't it be fun if you went on this ride? Okay. Okay. That's <laughs> Here fair. Here you go. <laughs> um, would you just want it to be, uh, were, were they in a boat? They were in a boat. Yeah. Okay. So they would have to be boat vehicles. Um, do you want a large animatronic, uh, uh, Everest on the back of the boat? Oh, I don't know that that would be possible. I mean, yes, we would want that, but I don't know that that's doable. Uh, that's fair. Even in our in it would imaginary break, it theme would break park. Af- it would break down after a year, and then our excuse would be, well, we can't can't take the building down. It's, uh, it's built <laughs> all around the yeah. Yeti. They'd we have can't to, do any- you know, the whole ride would have to be in strobe lights for the rest of everyone's life. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the Yeti is load bearing. We can't yeah. do anything about this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so no Yeti. Um, no, no Yeti on the vehicle. He can be around. Um, sure. On video screens. Sure. Video screens or animatronics. Like I do think animatronic um, Everest are, would be fun. 
but again, like this one at this the end of the ride. I want this like to be an outdoor, maybe like Hagrid's, you know, like just fast, uh, dipping up and uh, like close to the ground because you're in the flower meadow, um, and uh, it's 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 splashing down into little pools of water that uh, that splash up, kind of like Shikra does, you know. Um, at Bush okay. Garden Stampa, Shikra has a part where it splashes down into water and makes a big splash that goes all over like people standing in the splash zone watching nearby. It could have a few of those. Um, and, uh, I think there'd be some cool stuff you could do with this. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. What were you saying for your ride that you think you would like? Well, I was thinking about that scene with the large dandelion that our characters end up riding. Uh, through, th- I think it's the Yellow Mountain, that that area with all those like mountains uh, that they're trying to escape uh, the bad guys with. Um, and I was thinking of some of the rides that are at Pixar Pier at Disney's California Adventure. Um, what if you had something similar, or well, even like in Bugs Life, that Bugs Life area that was in. Um, California adventure. What if you had something similar like that where you had these? So it's like, it's not an e-ticket attraction, but it's, it's more of a, you have this area where you're kind of surrounded by these rock hills and these mountains. And there's these four large dandelions that people um, can get into the, the dandelion by uh, sitting on the leaf and then getting uh, attached uh, by a green uh, strap that goes around the person, kind of like a carousel ride. You know what I'm talking about? When people like have to sit on the carousel horses and everything, and they have to use that leather strap to like strap themselves onto the horse. Cause people can't just like sit down and be still on a moving (laughs) ride at any point. (laughs) So we've, so we've, all right, fine. Put these leather straps on you. Jeez. Um, Tie yourself uh, up so that you won't (laughs) run away. Idiot. (laughs) Um, so something like that where you're sitting on the leaf and you strap yourself onto the dandelion and it's one of those rides where it kind of like just gently bounces up and down. You you get a, a nice feeling of going up and, and seeing higher up uh, into the area where we're having the, the Everest area where you have where you see the coaster and everything like that. You see the little uh, meet and greet with Everest down below. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, something for like younger kids, families, things like that kind of deal. Nothing too fancy or anything. I'm not thinking blue sky with this attraction. I was just thinking like, a yeah. little, you know, why not? It's kind of like a flat ride or like a, like a fancy carnival ride. Yeah, basically. I mean, you, basically. you said it with Pixar Pier. Like that's basically what that is from what I can tell. Yeah. You know, the whole area. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that too. Kenneth. Popcorn bucket? Yes. Blueberry. Brilliant. Giant blueberry popcorn bucket. Giant blueberry (laughs) popcorn bucket or giant blueberry sipper that has a blueberry slushy inside of it? Oh, or a sort of there's yeah, there's there's several blueberry beverages that you can get in your giant blueberry sipper. 
Um, yeah. Uh, because like the, a blueberry like lemonade, a blueberry soda, blueberry lemonade, blueberry slushy, uh, mm-hmm. any of the above. They can yes. all be options. Yeah. Okay. Um, a violin corn bucket. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. My only hesitation with the blueberry sipper is that if I want, like, the, if the blueberry is going to be as big as what I'm imagining, that's too much beverage for a person to drink. <laughs> now, now, just because it's that big doesn't mean the whole, the entire container needs to be filled. We can. Uh, we're we're an amusement. Oh, uh, what about theme this? park? Kind of... What about Let's this? Hear Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Ready. So the the blueberry opens up on the top, right? Like any elder popcorn bucket does. I but see where this is going. There is an attachment that you can insert, which is a cup that is suspend like attached to the opening. So you can either remove the cup and fill the whole blueberry with popcorn, or you can put the cup in and then the 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 rest of the blueberry is just housing the liquid container inside and then you don't get condensation on your hands because there's you know the cup is like floating in this orb basically kenneth with the wombo combo this is I'll... the how has this not happened <laughs> <laughs> it's it's strapped on either side like a regular popcorn bucket is but on the outer part inside of the popcorn bucket, that's where your popcorn is stored. But on the inner core, which is yeah. insulated, so it's it separates all that condensation and everything from oh. the cold drink and keeps the drink cold and also not uh, cooling down the hot popcorn that's inside of the compartment. So you're thinking you can put both in at the same time? Was that what you weren't thinking? Because that's no, like, I was, that's what you were thinking. I was saying that you you could do either one. You can you can use it as a popcorn bucket or as a cup. Um, well, but why you wouldn't, not you both, wouldn't, Kenneth? Because how would you suspend the cup in the center? I guess the cup is attached to the at the bottom, so it's like a big donut in the in in the middle, right? Like the inside. A, so I'm is not that, thinking donut. I'm thinking think of a beach ball. Yeah. And forget physics for a second and just okay. take a core and and get out the top of the beach ball and go about three quarters of the way down through the beach ball or something like that. And uh-huh. then take the core out, put a little cup holder in that beach ball and then put the cup in top on top of the beach ball, like yeah. snug in there. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of the innards of the beach ball that's for popcorn right but how do you get into it because uh you open up the side the side see what i'm imagining is that both of them are accessible through the same opening the the blueberry only has (laughs) yeah that's why i was confused by your your concepts because i see now the blueberry only has one opening for a compartment and so i thought you and can it's that either top, and then that's that top part where the flower was at yeah it's at the top so you okay. open the top of your blueberry and in my original idea you could either like screw in the cup so like it's attached that that one hole is going to be your access point to either your popcorn or your drink um because you can screw the cup into the top of the hole 
or you yeah. can unscrew it and just have the whole open blueberry in the in the inside. But now what I'm thinking is that the cup is permanently attached to the bottom of the blueberry. And then the opening at the top is big enough that you've got your cup in the middle and you've got the hole surrounding it that you can put the popcorn into. So, so, so you can have both. So you can have both. both. So then you can, you can put the straw, like when you close the lid, you can put the straw for the cup through a hole in the lid and look like you're drinking out of the stem of a blueberry like that. And then you open it up and reach in to get your popcorn. Let me explain something to you listeners. <laughs> when Kenneth and I take at least three or four minutes to discuss the intricacies of a fake popcorn slash drink holder bucket for a theme park that does not exist for a movie that we went into great length about talking about how much problems we had with it. I'm just saying, yeah, we're ready. We're hire us. Yeah. We're, we're ready to make these ideas happen for things that could actually happen. Exactly. No one else is thinking this hard about popcorn buckets. Everyone is just saying, it looks like this, and you put popcorn in it. And we're saying, yes. where's innovation? Walt Disney yes. would be ashamed of all of us for many yes. reasons. But <laughs> mainly for the lack of innovation on popcorn buckets. Exactly. You need a popcorn Progress. bucket that is worth waiting six hours for. Like, not, not just because is- it looks like a, a character on a ride that no one really cares about because it's terrible ever since they changed it. Right. It can't, it can't just be about what it looks like. This What's popcorn bucket. Yeah. This popcorn bucket is doing things you never dreamed a popcorn bucket could do. Yes. <laughs> Ugh. Should we start our own popcorn bucket company? <laughs> yes. What would we, we call are- it? Oh. Yikes! Let's brainstorm this at a later date because if we <laughs> we're 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 deep yeah. down this rabbit hole. Yeah, we don't want to go too far. We don't no. want to go too far. <laughs> All right. So yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, blueberry popcorn bucket. Um, I'm really glad in, that two in one. I'm really glad that the the popcorn bucket has become a new staple of pitching the theme park. I am too, because it, I mean, it wasn't until we uh, found out that Universal is like, we're ready to step up and get into this popcorn bucket game. We're like, you can yeah. do that. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's do that too. <laughs> we're <laughs> reacting the same way that Universal did when yeah. they saw Disney and their six hour lines for figment popcorn buckets. And they said, you mean we can come up with popcorn buckets and people will want to buy those too? Yeah. Okay. I also We're just in. want to say that Universal Studios Japan has a minion popcorn bucket that I have not seen uh, anyone post about in the United States, but it is Kevin the minion, and he's just holding a banana that is peeled. So he's holding an open banana in his in his right hand, and that's the popcorn bucket, and it's amazing, and I want it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you think that's amazing, I think there's um, 
hold on. <laughs> I got to look this up and it, it might take a little bit okay. for me to find it because Universal Studios Japan. Yes. Do you, do you, you know the, the minion character, Tim? He has that little teddy bear. That's Bob. That Bob. Bob has his little teddy bear that he carries around with him. Universal yeah. Studios Japan has a popcorn bucket of that teddy bear. Whoa. In fuzzy form. What? A fuzzy can, popcorn bucket? I kid you not. This Kenneth. is what we were talking about. Now, somebody is thinking along the same lines of, as us. Yes. I'm going to... Is there a chat right here? Yes, there is. And I'm going to send that to you. Boom. Okay. Look at that. I'm going to click about this that. link. I'm going to click this suspicious link that appeared in my... <laughs> wow. Look at that. Uh, this is this is going on Instagram. This is incredible. This is on eBay. This yes. could be ours for the low, low price of $105.73. <laughs> yeah. Look at Wait, that popcorn it does say, bucket. It does say Tim Bear. Yeah, that's maybe why the, I said Tim. Maybe the bear's name is Tim. Because Bob maybe. is the one who carries the popcorn bucket. Yes. Or the not the popcorn bucket, the teddy bear. It could be a popcorn bucket for all we know. Look at this, and he—they show how his head opens up in the back to reveal the popcorn bucket. The 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 fuzzy lining is removable, so you can so wash it. You can wash it. The popcorn bucket does it go down into his body, or is it just in his head? Um, because the Frankenstein, the Frankenstein popcorn bucket that is at Universal Studios Florida uh, might also be in, in Hollywood. It's just in his head, and I understand that because the body is pretty small. But this teddy bear looks like you could go down into the body with popcorn. Yeah. I don't know. Let me see. You know, the only thing now missing from Universal's popcorn bucket game is having good popcorn, because they sure do not. (laughs) I think maybe that's why they need a partnership with a a popcorn (laughs) Yeah. yeah, popcorn Disney uh, Disney is partnered company. with Pop Secret. I think yes. that the newest character that you can meet at Universal Studios should be Orville Redenbacher. <laughs> yeah. He walks around like, all right, who's it going to be today? Betty Boop or or Marilyn? Or is it going to be Beetlejuice or Popeye or Orville Redenbacher? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Fantastic. We're just trying to catch uh, up with Japan at this point. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Those Mario popcorn buckets. That's what started it all. Yeah. Yeah. I found a, one of these for 70 bucks. USJ Minions Tim popcorn bucket. Teddy bear. This one is 68.15. Free shipping. Yeah. We don't have to pay 100. No. Why is that one person selling it for $100? Because they, they think they know us. They don't know us. They don't know. We know the. Oh, internet. but you know what I don't like about it is that it's the back of its head is always exposing oh, always the cut. hard plastic. Yeah, mm, that yeah. I'm not crazy about. I wish that you could close that for display purposes. Yeah. Okay. This is fantastic. So, yeah. Post some pictures of this. Cool. All right. Anyway. Uh, what's next? <laughs> oh, final we- thoughts. Yes. Or what what are you saying? What are you saying? Uh, Do we play Rotten Tomatoes before or after Final Thoughts? After Final Thoughts. Well, let's do Final Thoughts. 
All right. What are your final thoughts on this movie? While there may be some nitpicking with this film Mm -hmm. in terms of its um, emotional charge or lack of emotional connection um, to some of the characters' problems or plights uh, that they have to kind of work through in the story, I still think that this movie is good inherently. I think it has um, some moments that are both will make you smile and will make you go why (laughs) what was the purpose of this choice yeah um it's not perfect it is imperfect but it isn't it is not without some charm it is flawed absolutely but all diamonds are flawed (laughs) (laughs) i still think this movie is good um not great but not terrible yeah safe like a like a baseball player sliding into third yes exactly um (laughs) agreed i i agree this i'm not mad at this movie i watched it and i said Oh, I wish that was different. Oh, I wish that was different. I would have done that differently. Boy, I wish, you know, this didn't happen the way it happened. And then it was over and I said, that was fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not mad. I'm not a, I'm not upset about this. And uh you know, I I hope I hope that this uh director and writer that made this movie, um uh Jill Colton I hope that uh, she gets a chance to to try again and do another movie. Um, because I think this is a good... Uh, I wonder if this is the this is her first movie that she directed. Let it's me, not. Let me, oh, it's not. Uh, she what was a writer on Monsters, Inc. Uh, she was a di- the director of Open Season. Oh, you remember that? I, I never saw it, but I remember it. <laughs> I remember it, that it, it exists. Yeah, forty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes for open season. Also, writer and director of Boog and Elliot's Midnight Bug Run, which I think is a an open season short film or something. Yes, yes, it is. Okay, interesting. Um, well. If if we're comparing it to Open Season, which I have not seen, it seems that this is an improvement yes. from from looking at it without experience. So, I mean, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I don't have anything else to say about it. Um, Same. Yeah. Okay, well... Yeah, I'm not mad at this movie, and uh, it's fine. <laughs> Good. Now, where does it land on the rankings? Oh, excellent question. When you, you, now, when you moved yours, because we both changed our minds about where it was, did yes. yours move up or down on your list? Down. Mm, mine moved up. Really? Yes, I had placed it very, very low, and then upon looking at it again, I said, you know what? 
I'm not as mad at this movie as I thought I was. <laughs> so I moved, it, it only moved up like f- f- five spaces, but I did move it up. I'll tell you where okay. it was and then I'll tell you where it landed. Okay. But uh, should I tell you that now? <laughs> oh, yes, please. By all means. Okay. So originally I had placed this movie at number 33. Mm-hmm. which put it in the bottom five uh, yeah, with only Shrek the Third, Shark Tale, Horse Movie, and Home below it. Um, man, I forgot that Home is now the very bottom of the list. Good yeah, for, it is, isn't Good it? for Spirit. Good for Spirit, yeah. Horse Movie, and Shark Tale that we saw a movie that we liked even less than those. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but after realizing that the problems I had didn't really make me dislike the movie. I moved it up to number 29. Uh, So it went from 33 to 29. It is sitting below monsters versus aliens Mm -hmm. uh, and above Sinbad legend of the seven seas. Okay. It is also above turbo over the hedge and ants. Good. Um, Because I like this. Um, I, I, I wish it was a little more fun. I wish I liked the characters a little bit more, which is why monsters versus aliens is above it because that movie is as, as mediocre as it is. uh, It at least is fun. Yes. And abominable is like fun adjacent. (laughs) I agree. Like it reminds you of fun. Um, (laughs) You remember what fun was like? You're going to love this movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's where, it's at. that's where it's at for me. Okay. I originally had this film at number 13. Whoa. Yeah, above Boss Baby and below Very high Penguins in Madagascar. Okay. And after talking about it, talking through it with you, I went, no, no, no. That is silly. <laughs> let's put you where you belong yeah and i uh sent it down uh, uh 12 spots wow <laughs> it is now uh ranked on my list of the 37 films uh theatrical dreamworks animated releases it sits at number 25 okay. uh, right above number 26 which is madagascar 3 europe's most wanted and right below wait a minute no 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 strike that from the record it sits at number 23 not 25 my mistake okay 23 so it moved down uh 10 spots okay instead of 12 okay so number 23 abominable which is right above number 24 mr peabody and sherman Uh uh-huh and right below number 22 road to el dorado okay so it's still is... on that cusp on my list where I like this film, but it's okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it has an audience. It has people who like the film and enjoy the characters and story. But for me personally, I feel like there's some stuff in it that kind of made me not as invested in the film as I could have been. Yeah. Which is why it's now at number 23. Yeah. All right. You know, respectable placement, I think, for both of us. Yeah. In the 20s. Uh, I think that's fair. 
Yes, I agree. Very, very middle, middle to low middle. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, let's do the Rotten Tomatoes game. Let's. Uh, dear listeners and Kenneth, welcome to the Rotten Tomatoes game. I'm your host, John. Uh, today we watched Abominable, uh, rated PG. It was released in 2019 and is uh, categorized as a kids and family slash comedy film at an hour and 37 minutes. Uh, Kenneth, what do you think the critics uh, percentage was on Rotten Tomatoes for Abominable? I think that this feels like a movie that sits comfortably in the 70s, maybe this maybe the high 60s, but I think uh I'm going to say 72 72 72 not certified fresh. Not cert- do I think right below three points below I, certified fresh? Do I think this is certified fresh? That's what you got to ask yourself. Yeah. And then from there, you can make a judgment. All right. So how far below is this rated 75% or how far above is this rated 75%? Um, I think it's not certified fresh. I'm going to stick with 72. That feels okay to me. That feels good. Okay. 72. And once again, if I... I'm close. I get a handshake. And if I'm right on, I get a hug, right? Well, if we're playing with another uh, contestant, such as the, our guest, which we usually have, which we don't have one today, whoever's no. closest, even with that, with going over, whoever's closest gets a hearty handshake. If you get it right on the dot, you get a hug from me. Okay. But yes. if it's a one-player game, then there's no prize? Yeah. If you get it on the dot, you get a hug from me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you want another prize? No, no, that I like that prize. Okay. <laughs> That's the perfect prize. <laughs> well, one size fits all. Yeah. All right. Uh the critics consensus, uh 72%, correct? That's what I said. Yes. 72. All right, 72%. Here we go. The critics consensus for abominable is as follows. Working with admittedly familiar ingredients, Mm-hmm. Abominable offers audiences a beautifully animated and overall engaging adventure that the whole family can enjoy. Hmm. Now you've locked it in, and we've ju- and we've said after the last one that we're not going to. Yeah, uh, we're not going to change it. We're not going to no, give you an opportunity I, to change it. You're locked in. I'm locked in. I but, have to live with the decision but, I made. Let me ask you this: How do you? Mm-hmm. How confident do you feel after hearing? The credits consensus. I think I'm low. I think that this was certified fresh. I'm going to maybe say it was just 75 or 76 if I was able to change it, but I can't. I'm at 72 and that's where I stay. All right. The critics consensus has spoken. Mm -hmm. Abominable, according to Rotten Tomatoes, is rated certified fresh. Oh, yeah. Yes. So unfortunately, it is not below 75 percent abominable is rated at 82 percent wow they liked this a lot more than i thought they would so you're about uh, 10 10 percent off yeah not not too bad you're you're within 10 so that's pretty good the audience score is 95 (laughs) whoa (laughs) that's weird that made you sneeze didn't it 
it did make me i'm allergic to uh audiences who are too easy on movies i guess <laughs> or are we too hard maybe that's what it is that's it we just can't uh we just can't sit back and enjoy films anymore yeah we have to, we have to pick at them i'll say like this movie had me writing more vigorous notes than almost any other movie we've done like i just kept seeing things that i was like gotta write that down i don't yeah. like that i got yeah. a problem with this <laughs> yep got a real big problem here yeah I'll let you know yeah. about it what do you think you're doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, all right. I didn't get it. I was 10% off. What a shame. That's okay. Well, everyone, ladies, gentlemen, and folks, that brings us to the end of this episode's main body. We do have... No, it doesn't. We have emails. Oh, I was about <laughs> to say, did, did anyone contact us? We do have emails. Uh, I actually just got an email during this recording. So, oh, wow. Yes, this is very exciting. First, I'm going to read our usual list of movie titles that are sent to us from Jose, who does not write anything else in the email, just writes the title of a movie in the subject line. So for this episode, we do have the movie titles King Kong versus Godzilla, Aladdin Disney, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, thank you again, Jose, for writing in with that. And if you ever want to let us know why you're doing this, you may contact us at the same email address that you have been sending these to. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Um, so now an email uh, from someone we have not heard from in a while. It's back from Eloise. Oh, welcome back. Um, so the subject here is revisit Rise of the Guardians. So Eloise writes, hi, Dream Jerks. I'm a big fan of the movie Rise of the Guardians, and I had to take another listen to that episode. You guys kept rambling and not staying on topic, which was pretty funny, but I think it needs another watch over. I love this movie, and I can't understand why it flopped like it did. Like many fans of the show, I want a sequel to it, but it has a cliffhanger ending. But it seems like that DreamWorks is only interested in doing uh, meme movies than proper movies. Uh, why are they teasing a Shrek 5 when that series is done and leaving out the movies that should be a franchise? The reason I love this movie is that it reminds me of the times of when I was a child and believed in the characters and how happy I was until life became hard for me. I watch this movie a lot and reflect on myself afterwards and try to get my happiness back after battling with myself for years. Yikes, this is a long email. Your pal, Eloise. Eloise, I'm glad that this movie brings you happiness. I'm glad that you are able to watch this and, and go back to a time when life was simpler. I think it's great to have movies like that. Uh, if I had to name a movie like that for me, I might say like Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone or the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man film with Tobey Maguire or uh, maybe uh, Spy Kids. 
like those movies to me are like, oh yeah, this takes me back. I feel like I'm back in the t- age when these movies came out again. You have any movies like that, John? Um, if I want to think back to high school, maybe uh, Wayne's World or Wayne's World Two. Ah. Um, if I want to think anywhere younger than that, you know, I watched the Disney animated films as a kid, but there, I can't. I don't know if I can think of one that when I watch it, 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 it takes me back to a time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe Labyrinth. Oh, but even okay. then, there's only like bits and pieces of that film that take me back, and it's not the entirety of the film itself. Yeah. So maybe Labyrinth, maybe Wayne's World. You know, uh, maybe Lost in Translation kind of makes me feel nostalgic in some sort of way because that came I've out. I've never seen that. You've You've never seen Lost in Translation. That's correct. I got to let you borrow Lost in Translation. Yeah. How did I never borrow it like before when we did our big it, uh, movie trading? Yeah. When we were trading projects with, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how, how that one slipped through. Well, you, you could probably, maybe it's on Netflix. I'm sure it's I don't somewhere. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I'll let you borrow it. You need to. Uh, I don't I, I don't want to say that you need to watch that film. I'm just letting you know that that film specifically holds a certain place in my heart. Gotcha. Because of not only the film and the soundtrack, but at the time and place that I was when I first initially saw that movie. Yeah. Yeah. It, it takes me back to that that particular moment in my life. Yeah. I love those kinds of movies. Yeah. Anyway, getting back to answering Eloise's questions, I think it would be worth revisiting. And once we're caught up on DreamWorks movies and we're looking for other things to do while we wait for new movies to come out, um, I think that revisiting old ones is an option, um, especially if there's like a big, uh, you know, demand that that people want us to go back and, and talk about something again or revisit something or maybe do like commentary tracks or something like that. We've talked about these kinds of things. So um, it's definitely on the table. Uh, I do kind of agree that DreamWorks is focusing a little bit too much on franchises right now. Um, When I look at the list of DreamWorks movies that have been released since Universal took over for distribution, I think there have only been two non-sequels. Um, and those are abominable and the bad guys and everything else has been a sequel. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that uh, you make a good point that uh, they're really going with, but then again, spirit got a sequel and that didn't need one. And no one was wanting, no one was asking for that. <laughs> I mean, not, not, not based on how the movie ended, you know, that movie didn't end right. in a way where it was like, oh, I wonder what happens next. It's like, no, he's a horse and he lives a horse life. Um, yeah. <laughs> the end. Yeah. Um, but but I agree with you, Kenneth. Uh, ever since Universal kind of like took over ownership and distribution of um, DreamWorks animated films, it does feel like they're getting a little bit of uh, sequelitis with their films. Oh, yeah. But let me point to you to Illumination. Inter- entertainment which 
does nothing but that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, the, what, the Minion films? Anything there, involving in Minions? They've made like, what, four or five of those films now? There, there are five movies in the Minionverse, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they've done other films, but they're all based on Dr. Seuss books. Oh, true. Yeah. Lorax, Grinch, yeah. uh, Horton, Here's a Who. That was uh, actually Blue Sky. That was not Illumination. Ah, okay. So those two, uh, what what else has Illumination done? Sing, Secret Life and of Pets. Sing, sing 2, Secret Life of Pets, Secret Life of Pets 2. Hop. Unfortunately, hop. there is no Hop 2. Um, hop to it. Oh, okay. It would be worth it just for the title. <laughs> and the Easter egg shaped popcorn buckets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's definitely something worth looking into. Eloise, thanks for writing in and with your, with your, you know, nice memories and good experiences with that movie. Were we nice to that movie? I don't remember. I think we liked it, but we, uh, you know, I think we poked fun of the moon. That's right. Yeah, there, there, there are things that we, uh, you know, we have to. That's why you're here is because we, we, we nit- nitpick, you know. But I think we liked that movie overall. Um, and it does feel like almost, it almost feels like that could have been a good animated series of like different, them going on different adventures, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to ask DreamWorks when, whenever we get them on the show. Yeah. Why can't we have a series um where the uh right the guardians of the major like holidays or special occasions are discovering new holidays which oh, yeah. te- I mean they they've been around for a while but they're not mainstream holidays or anything like that. So right. maybe they're they're kind of like it's more of an educational thing. Yeah. Where is the if, character if it, for Yom Kippur? Where's the character and, for Kwanzaa? And yeah. why is it not Kwanzaabot from Futurama? <laughs> uh, oh, speaking of series, though, um, Abominable is getting a series on Peacock and Hulu. Um, that's right. So that's we have to mention that that's going to be a thing. So anyway, that's the end of our show. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, remember when we said this was going to be the shortest episode ever and we're at almost two hours now? Yeah. I woke What's up. It? It's always because we have movie. a lot to it's always because we have a lot to say about the films that uh, need a little help. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the films that are so good that we there's we can't think of anything to talk about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, time to wrap this up. Uh, of course, if you want to send in an email like Eloise did and like Jose does every time, um, you can send those to dreamjerkspodcast at gmail.com. You can follow this show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at dreamjerkspod. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at King Kemen. Uh, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast apps that might let you do that. We don't have any new reviews this time, so go ahead and leave us a review. Five stars if you could. We have a nice five-star rating average right now, and we'd like to keep that if possible. If you like this show, go ahead and give us one of those ratings and reviews. 
Um, I realized last time we talked about a person that I think should join the band, and he now is a member of the band. So we got to shout out our bandmates, Smoke Vanish, Alpha Zeta Bones Jones, Marcus Lightspeed, Crazy Calzoni, Fat Giraffe, Will Do Am, Bobo Denkirk, Christopher Plummer, uh, Hansel Zipper, and Richard Shaneri. We will see you all at band practice. John, anything Anything else? Any final parting words? <sighs> My blueberries! My blueberries, no! They're filling the room! I can't breathe! For the dream to work, we've got to go to sleep. Good night! I was lost, but you Dream Jerks podcast has no affiliation with DreamWorks Animation, Universal Pictures, or Comcast NBC Universal. The views or opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not represent the companies or organizations they happen to work for. The music by Pangolin. Just you and me tonight.